Two pastors and Tom walk into a bar, but this is no joke. It's the start of a conversation between three friends about culture, God, beer, and more. So pull up a chair, order a pint, and let's get started. Unless you're driving, I want you to close your eyes and imagine yourself outside. In fact, you're standing by the sea. There's a light breeze, the smell of salt in the air, and the sounds of crashing waves and seagulls flying overhead. You walk out onto a stone jetty, a hundred yards out into the ocean. Now the water is all around you, and you feel as only you exist. To one side, though, the water is disturbed. Something's coming towards you under the water. A black fin crests the surface, and before you know it, a gigantic black and white killer whale heaves itself from the ocean. As this majestic leviathan of the ocean jumps over your head, water dripping down, blocking out the sun, you reach up your hand and lightly touch the smooth underbelly of the whale. As the mighty beast crashes down into the water, the sounds of the ocean are replaced with the smooth music of Michael Jackson. And that is Free Willy. But today, we're talking about free will, just one letter less than this classic 90s film. Where exactly will, will our discussion take us? We don't know, but it will probably be the road less traveled by. Yo, 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 Oh, we're back to this. We are, because you just did an entire introduction with a synopsis of Free Willy. You did. I know, it was great. It was good. I was wondering where you're going with it, because I didn't read your thing beforehand, because I never do. And apparently went nowhere. It literally just was free willy that was it that was it which is good i guess yeah and then I, and then i quickly pivoted to free will see it's clever it's something it's something it's something but 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 then but i saved it though with robert frost or did you not catch that no i caught it but it just seemed a little apropos Ooh, i like Ooh. those words which actually sort of means fitting so nice kind of does. more to the point what are we drinking tonight gentlemen well, you know, you two actually are together. I mean, Gabe and I were together a few episodes ago. Tonight, Gabe and Josh are together. So why don't we start with you guys? Well, first, can you hear the crickets of the beautiful Southeast Tennessee uh, wilderness behind us? Oh, yeah. In homage to Dr. Brian O'Neill, we decided to do this episode in nature. Nature. In an additional homage to yet another Brian, uh, Josh and I are drinking gifts from a listener and friend of mine. Uh, his name is Brian Van Horn. He's uh, a Brian. Really? Yes. Oh, I thought uh -huh. you screwed that up. No, I never. Sorry, would. Brian. Uh, I, I wouldn't screw it up because I, I married Brian and his wife uh, to each other, not to me. Oh, I was like, what? Yeah, you no, married, I, yeah. Um, but Brian is a home brewer and gave me some homebrew as a going away present and it is delicious i am drinking his american pale ale and it's wonderful thank you for this brian thoroughly enjoying it josh what do you got and brian although you didn't know this and honestly you don't know me um i'm imbibing on your chocolate stout which gabe screwed up by the way he was like oh brian sent a vanilla porter but the second i cracked open that bottle and poured it into the glass and watched the gorgeous head just fill to the top of the brim I said, no, 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 my friend. And it's quite nice. So thank you, Brian. Thank you so much. Now for our other friend, Brian, 
wait, first, what? Here's an open invitation. If anyone wants to send me or Gabe beer, please do. Yep. It's not wait, illegal. Wait, wait. Whoa, why why am I not involved in this? Because you always drink like liquor because you're a drunk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Questionable. But hey, if you would like to send a really nice bottle or just any bottle of rum, something a little different than Captain Morgan, you can send it my way. How about that? By Perfect. the way, I've decided spice rum is gross. I like regular rum. Dark rum. I don't judge. <clears throat> I drink it, it really depends Anyway, Brian. We could have Brian. an entire episode on this. Doc, Dr. Brian. What are you Thank doing? Thank you. Today? Well, I am also on the homebrew brew made by another Brian, that Brian being me. Hey, oh, yeah, Brian. Notice that this is, well, it's not beer, but it is a mulberry mead, and it looks absolutely delicious. It's this super dark purple color. And you're like, oh, this is going to be good. It's got, you know, it's a little bit of fizzy, fizziness. And then uh -huh. you put it in your mouth, and it kind of tastes like, like a Jolly Rancher with um, Everclear and vinegar put together. Um, <laughs> what kind of strange cocktail is this? Only this a scientist. Only a scientist could come up with a drink that's like vinegar, honey wine, yep. and Everclear. Yep. Yeah, it's it's not good. That's <laughs> oh, what, Ryan? Come on, you're supposed to like puff puff yourself up. Well, no, it's this cannot be puffed. But can I <laughs> can I unpuff Tom's introduction? Please. Oh yeah. Wait, we need to know. Yes. It, wait, yeah. Please, no. no, unpuff, unpuff. Yes, unpuff. Okay. Killer whales, while called killer whales, should be called orcas, and they are not whales. They are in the dolphin family, not whales. Wow. Making them mammals. Straight, straight from yes. the source. Of an yep. actual scientist. Tom, we are going to have to start fact-checking your introductions, apparently. This is true. This is true. Can we get, like, a womp-womp noise? <laughs> we need womp. Womp. Yes, actually, you know what? I'm womp. going to put a womp-womp noise. Put it in right now. Listeners, if you don't hear this womp-womp noise, then please text us on our phone number, 612-208-6258, and make fun of me. Perfect. You know, I... I, I was like, hey, we got Brian on for the third time in a row, and maybe it's a little bit of familial bias. Who knows? But now I was like, should we have him on for a fourth episode? And I think right there, Brian, that's a bit – no, you're done. <laughs> nope, so I'm out. Wa welcome to your last episode. You know what? Better oh, yet, Tom, we don't care what you're drinking. Just exit the podcast. We're going to do this <laughs> one with just Brian. How <laughs> dare you? One O'Neal. That is, that that is your brother. You're turning and forsaking your back. Wait. He just threw me under the bus. <laughs> and I'm running you over with that same bus. Anyways, uh, Tom, what are you drinking tonight? Remember when uh, Wine and Kugels was a craft beer? <laughs> no, it never It never was. <laughs> no, it was for like a couple of years, and then Miller bought them out, and then the whole craft brew explosion happened, and, you know, they're not anymore. So uh, I am drinking a Wine and Kugels Bavarian Dunkel, and it's not terrible. It's not great. I'll drink it. Hey, um, on a different note, to all of our listeners tonight, can I just preface this episode with an apology? You're going to experience what happens when Gabe and I are in person, which means we'll be off topic quite a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, we will just say random things whenever we want, and this episode will be at least three hours long. It's a fact. Dunzo. Okay. Yeah, Speaking of that, I have a big announcement to get us going. 
Oh, wait, no, we can't yet. We got to do our social media shout outs real quick. All right, please do. Josh gave you our number earlier, 612-208-6258. Reach out to us. We would love to talk with you. Also, check out our partners in crime, The Gospel Economist. It is an online publication made up of a group of writers and bloggers that seek the story of Jesus Christ and his payment for our sin in our everyday lives. Check them out at www.the-gospel-economist.com. Our podcast also happens to be posted on their website, so that gives you two great reasons to check them out. Please do. They're awesome. Great stuff going on there. I love how Tom is highlighting we're supposed to read so that we don't get off topic. Thank you, Tom, for making me feel like you're a five-year-old son. Yeah. Anyways, speaking of social media, um, the big announcement I have of this episode that people have been waiting for uh, it officially happened. Dr. Brian O'Neill and I are Facebook friends. What? We are, we are friends. It's true. Wow. It's true. It Wait, happened. I'm not. I'm not your Facebook friend, Brian. Are you even on well, Facebook? I mean, occasionally. Do you have an account? I stole it from Jenny, my wife. So, so you want him to friend your wife on Facebook? No, it used to be Jenny Josh Woodrow. Now it's just Josh Woodrow. Oh, it is just Josh Woodrow. Yeah, I I just completely hijacked it. <laughs> hey, well there you so, go on on that note i would like to try to push tom out of this as much as possible Good. um and if you could like you know in your intro josh edit out like two pastors and tom just use like brian that <laughs> oh yeah thing. yeah no problem brian right that would be great um, <laughs> two <pastors and laughs> poor katie's voice like two pastors and brian, brian. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a super great anecdote that will relate, I promise you, to today's conversation. Wait, hold on, Brian. We, I understand we've invited you on for the third time, and I understand that in our last episode, we actually let you close this thing up. But all of a sudden, now you think you can start taking over major parts of our show and start rearranging? Like, yes. maybe a, a skosh too far? No, huh? this is the rights that I get as for being Gabe's Facebook friend. Tom, yeah. how, Tom, how does it feel? Are you okay? Because I, I literally just saw like a digital shove happen to you. That's right. You're being pushed I, out physically by the verbiage of your brother. Yep. Okay. Yep. This is this is great. So just, go on. Um, okay. Sorry, sorry, Brian. I want to hear your okay. funny story and not Tom's voice anymore. I'm sorry. Right, Abel, please offer your better sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. This was today. I was making cookies as a good husband should for his wife. Anyway, I was making cookies, and it reminded me of a time about two years ago, where I was living in an apartment with my wife, and that whole day the people below us were like smoking weed. Apparently, the whole day, yep. I did not smell it, but my wife was just getting super angry, like all day. She's like, "Can you smell it? Can you smell it?" So and I was like. Definitely not high off that secondhand smoke. No, no. Right, no. And I was like, I mean, yeah, I mean, it kind of. It's not, I don't know, it's not bad. And she's like, oh, it's terrible, it's terrible. So then she continues to complain, and it's like 8 o'clock at night. And apparently the house is full of weed smoke. And my... Um, <laughs> Wait, I decide... so they were secondhand hotboxing your apartment? Oh, yeah, yeah, big time. Um, this is after... And we've and you guys have been doing nothing but eating since three in the <laughs> right. afternoon. Right. Three burritos no. later. 
<laughs> I decided to make cookies that night. So I made edibles. cookies. Nice choice. Mm-hmm. And I no, not edibles. <laughs> I forget to set a timer on the cookies, right? We're sitting there watching TV. I'm like 20 feet away from my oven. All of a sudden I'm like the cookies are done. And I smell them and I go in and they're this perfect golden encrusted like chocolate chip cookie. And my wife is like, "What the heck? How can you smell when a cookie is like absolutely perfectly done?" But you cannot smell the marijuana smoke that's been wafting through our apartment all day. Mm. Spoken like a true scientist. Um, do you guys remember that movie, The Gladiator, with Russell Crowe? I do. And when he's like about to die, he's walking through the fields of Elysium, just yeah. touching the heads of and the he wheat stalks. The wheat stalks. Yeah, I yeah. feel like that's what Brian does for a living. He just walks through like weed, <laughs> like cannabis fields, and he's just like touching the tops of these cannabis, Ooh. you know, plants, and. That's why he's so good at what he does. That's really good. You know, there's a book that I just ordered called Technology as Magic, which is maybe a whole nother conversation we need to have. But it does, the way you just described Brian makes me think of perhaps the mysticism we place behind science these days. That's a whole nother, I know, I know, that's a whole nother topic. Was that an unintentional teaser for our next episode? It was. Episode four, The Magic of Science, starring Dr. Brian (laughs) O'Neill. And not starring Tom O'Neill. And not, thank you, Tom. You get it. Wait, was there more to your story, Brian? No. Okay. Do you know what? I did want to make this one comment. Why is it that it's always your neighbors below you that smoke weed? Like every apartment I've ever lived in, that's always the case. 100% of the time. It's because this country is going to H-E double hockey sticks in a (laughs) handbasket. Everyone is just getting high all the time. Just constantly. Why, why can't we go back to pre-World War II America? Yeah. Where we we're all Christians. Yeah. No and one it, smoked weed. Everyone played baseball. like adults. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nice Daniel Tosh throw out there. Wow, Tom. Yay. You know what? On that note, I really feel like we need to go to a break and push pause on this before things get too out of control. And then can we come back and figure out how Brian's <laughs> weed cookie story actually relates to this whole topic? Maybe. I'm pretty excited oh, for it. Maybe. To. We'll see. Welcome back to Pine Glass Preachers, everybody. We're glad to have you with us on this conversation on free will. Speaking of free will, Tom just took all the free will he has in his little body, and he left. Chose to leave this conversation. I wonder if that's because the genome of -hmm. his DNA... Mm -hmm. Compelled um, him to do that. Compelled him to do that at this particular moment in universal time. Ooh. Or if literally he just got fed up with us and said, you know what? I love you, but I hate you, and I'm going to walk away. Mm. Who's to say? I don't know. Maybe maybe Brian is to say because he's an actual scientist. This is true. Hey, Tom came back. Tom. Welcome back, Tom. Were you? What? What's happening? 
exactly. Dude, I can't do this. I can't do Hold on. Cut it, Josh. Don't record any of that. <laughs> Edit all that out. It wasn't that good. It wasn't that good. No, it sorry. Was little, it was a little no. forced. Sorry. It was starting to go well. We we tried to go back without you, Tom, but it didn't work. Oh. See? So I guess we do need you. We do need you. Yep. Do you want to bring us back in? I need you every hour. I need you, my one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. One more time. Matt Marr. Or May. (laughs) Mayor? 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 Brian, okay. did you get my text today about, from the Babylon Bee about writing the perfect uh, uh, worship song? Yeah, I... Oh, no, I, I forgot that the Babylon Bee was like... It's like the onion, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was like, yeah, I don't have time for this right now. Oh. Like, okay, Hashtag uh-huh. savage. How do you um, not? That was wow. awesome. Just read the heading. You don't actually have to look at the article. Just read the heading. No, but the article was pretty funny. What was it? It was like a five-step process, and one of the steps was don't make your song too good or Chris Tomlin will steal it to make a bunch of money off of it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Tom, you want to bring us back in, or do you want me to? No, I can. Okay. All right, welcome back from that dumpster fire of a first 10 minutes of an episode. Uh, We are going to get into our discussion for the for the day uh you've been warned already this this could be something with gabe and josh together in one place but uh just as a kind of a recap of where we've been uh when we when we first had brian on we talked about science and church and and how they can coexist or or maybe not uh we we had that discussion which then kind of rolled into a discussion of of how god works in 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 this existence on our earth in our universe i uh, is is god did he make this planet and everything in it to just work and then he can watch from afar and come in and out as he pleases or does he or is he constantly involved with every single last thing and then that kind of brought us then to the next thing of if we are of the thought that god is really uh pulling the strings on every little movement that happens or, or even some movements, then now we start getting into a conversation around free will. And, you know, I, Gabe, I think you kind of, or somebody, I don't know, one yeah, of you guys me. was kind of talking about DNA or free will or something like that. Or Frisbee. Set us up with that. No, we're, we're done with the Frisbee idea. Jim. Oh, I'm sorry. You, you got me going. It, it started with an F, God, yeah. fris, Frisbees. <laughs> I just, it, it, I'm sorry. Flat Earth. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, flat earth aside, um, no, Oh, Shaq jumped on board now too. So it must be true. Is that for real? Yeah. I didn't hear that. I don't do the sports ball talk. That's, that's probably why they made a statue of him in LA. I did see that with a Frisbee in his hand, not a basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Round things don't exist. Um, okay. So, so Brian, this one is coming straight to you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, I'm going to start uh, from a, a position that says God doesn't exist, okay? So here okay. he is not existing. And, and from that place, uh, Richard Dawkins, uh, probably a good scientist, an idiot of a philosopher, but uh, he's not that good? Okay. Well, no, strong I, words. Going back to our last episode, he 
violates the scientific method all the time in almost all of his writings. He um, asks those why questions that we were talking about that should be off limits. Anyway. Okay. Well, good. Anyways. And so what he does though, what he says is this, and this is where uh, I'm hoping you can speak to is, is this is kind of his tagline that, that we're all just dancing to our DNA. Yep. That, that there is no free will, that the reality is we are just uh, products completely of our DNA. True or false? Um, <laughs> com- from his perspective, it's, it's false, but there are aspects of truth in it, right? So obviously our DNA affects us and influences us. But for me, in my opinion, well, wait, wait, wait. we still Hold have on. free will. T- t- Tell us how we're just making crazy jumps and conclusions here for. So tell me how our DNA influences us in different ways. Give me. A okay. So, well, well, from Richard Dawkins's perspective, he's um, like, he thinks we are machines built by DNA. And then like, that's our soul. Our sole reason is to make more of that DNA. Okay. Making babies, um, making babies. But, I think this, I'm going to tell you a story about, and it's going to relate to my cookie and marijuana story. Oh, good, because I was really hoping we could get back there. Ryan, are you going to delve into conjecture at any point in the story? No, no, this is absolutely non-conjecturous. Is that a word? I thought you were becoming a theologian. (laughs) No. Wait, this is non-conjecturous? Did I just hear that? That's not a word. Dr. Brian O'Neill, everybody. (laughs) That's not a word he called. (laughs) Tom, you were just being pushed out so quickly. All right. Yeah. To push because out. I'm pointing no. out that the doctor can barely speak. No, <laughs> because he just called out your vocabulary and said you made up a word. Okay, Brian, go. Sorry, Brian. Yep. Sorry. No. Okay. So there's these famous groups of studies that have had to do with um, what they do is they take a bunch of guys and a bunch of girls, ladies, and they um, give Did the you just guy. Just assume my gender. Yep. Uh, okay, go on. They give the guys, they tell them to give them non-scented soap and tell them to take a shower. And then they put um, T-shirts on them. Okay, they give them clean T-shirts. And the guys wear the t- clean T-shirts at nighttime for two nights. Okay. Now, okay. these... Um... <laughs> Sorry, Brian. There. Is this real? Is this real? Is this a real thing? This is a real thing, and it's really, really cool, actually, once it once it, this resolves, okay? Okay, okay, okay. Then the guys are instructed to put their T-shirts into um, Ziploc bags. They Ziploc bag them and then send them to the um, – or they bring them to the study place, okay? Then they ask study. ladies – Study place. <laughs> yeah, study place, yep. Laboratory, if you will. Anyway, um, they ask the ladies to smell these T-shirts – and rate their attractiveness of the the men based on smell alone okay now what's really cool then is they they get these rating systems on one to ten whether they're attractive or not and then they also take some take some blood and do a dna test where they are testing the DNA of all the study participants, the men and the women. Now in this study also, they have some cousins that are like across the, the, the men to women. There are some cousins, there are some sibling pairs. Um, I don't 
think there were any mothers and sons, but um, there were sibling pairs. So what they did then with the DNA is that they tested to see how the immune system genes, specifically the major histocompatibility complex, it's, it's immune system genes, okay? And the women that had the most different DNA from the men rated the, the, men, the men with the most different immune systems, essentially, as the most attractive. Wait, hold on. Let me be sure I get that. Okay, mm-hmm. so the women with the most different DNA from the men. So, so, so say I'm a lady. I smell a shirt, and the shirt that I smell that I find most attractive is least like my DNA. Correct. Okay. And when the ladies smelled their brothers, they were like, this is the most disgusting smell in the world. This guy is super ugly. Wow. So my wife, and you can ask her what she likes about my smell because she loves my smell. I will go, I'm like. Like your natural, like your pheromones? Like yeah, like you haven't showered in a week smell or. <laughs> like at night. I'll I've be been like, out drinking and smoking all night. No. Smell. No. Or you spray your body with Axe. Just on a normal night. She'll Come be, on. I'll be like, I'm going to take a shower. Okay. And she's like, no, you smell so good. And I'm like, wow. um, okay, but I'm still going to take a shower. Brian, is this getting too personal? Nope. Like, because I'm wondering, how often do you shower? Oh, I'm an everyday kind of guy. What? Once or twice wow. a month. Oh, I'm like a, I'm like a once every three days. I try to push to four or five if I can. Why do you hate oh. the earth so much, Brian? Yeah, I know. I do. I do. I just, I'm the aquatic biologist in me just loves being in water. Just smells like fish. Mm. Yep. I love that fishy skin yeah, smell. So, what, how does, so I'm in East Tennessee right now. How do you explain all the incest? <laughs> okay. Uncalled for. Uncalled for. Josh, edit this out. Edit this out, Josh. I am actually more curious, though, is what threw me for a loop so far in your anecdote is what does that have to do with, like, the, what did you call it? Like, the, uh, the immuno, it was like some big word about major histocompatibility complex. Yeah. Like what does it have to do with like the immune system? So that's, that's what basically determines how your, your immune system is going to be. So think about this from a completely natural selection standpoint, right? If you're a woman that wants to have, that might not be too much of a stretch for you, Josh, that wants to have a baby (laughs) baby, Interesting. The the most healthy, you don't want to have that baby have the exact get your partner to give you that DNA that is the same immune system. You want that immune system to draw from as many different types of immune systems. So yeah, that your your offspring would be have the highest probability of being healthy. Got it. Okay, I, I can see that. Okay, so my apparently my sole role here is to bring us back on track. What does this have to do with our DNA machines? What does this have to do with cookies and marijuana? So, oh yeah, yeah, it has marijuana. to do with my wife's smell, how she perceives smell, and then how that translates to DNA is how much of her free will was in her choosing to marry me, in her choosing to have a kid with me was 
her own free will and how much of it was her DNA telling her this is going to be a good match for you because he has a different immune system than you. You should marry him. Can, uh, is that made up? And I mean, I don't mean like your story, but I feel like that's something, a, a theory that could just simply be fabricated. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like you could, I don't know, man, that just seems fishy. And I hate to use that pun because you're an aquatic biologist, but it just seems a little fishy that, well, that you could get down that specific to like the immune system, natural selection, DNA, and saying that that with who how, how people choose their partners well couldn't couldn't that just be part of it i mean you also you also have this this piece and i brian i don't know where where this like at the cellular dna level this comes from but you have people who are more attracted to blonde versus brown hair you know i mean just certain body types or certain things you know we definitely have that you have types that you that you like um, and then there are certain times when you, you are with someone and you're like, man, I like this person, but there's just something off. And is it the smell or, or something else? Like how many different, how many, it, this, I, I see the smell being a piece of it. The, the interesting thing is that men have, they've done this the opposite way too, right? And they've repeated this study in many forms and fashions, but every time they do it, men try to do the smell and they have, it has no impact. You, there's no correlation <laughs> between. Wow. Not surprising. Yep. Right. We pay little attention to detail. <laughs> right. And, but, but from an, from a natural selection perspective, the way for a man to increase his fitness is to sow his wild oats as often and as frequently as possible. Right. So it, we don't from, in, you know, and we do see this in animals, like most males are not picky. They will mate with anyone that will That's let true. them. Fair enough. Yep. Is that, is it limited to, I mean, I know that was a one test with focusing on, you know, the immune system and, and scent and that kind of thing. But in terms of other aspects within the scientific realm, are there other indicators within DNA and the interaction between varied human beings that affect that as well? Or is this a one-of-a-kind sort of test? Ooh, that's tough. Um, you know, I'm sure there's probably been other studies. Um, they've, they've done this study many, many times, and it's proven basically across different groups of people, but I can't, I, you know, I can't really think of real closely. Well, that's just like, you know, a different, different way. Well, so, so I guess the only conclusion then is in, in that sense, it would be a very easy move to make that we are indeed controlled by DNA, even though we're under the conviction that we are actually operating under a, a free will to choose. Well, so, so let me so my, go on, Brian. What my question about, with that is, is that a problem, right? So I wouldn't say we are not controlled, but we're influenced. But is that a problem? Like, isn't it good? So we, let's go with the premise of the conclusion of the study that women do choose their mates partly based on their smell. Is that a problem? Don't we want to have a healthy gene pool with healthy people 
wouldn't God want us to have a healthy gene pool? So like we're influenced by things that we do all the time where we are situations. So why can't we just be somewhat influenced by our DNA? And I don't, I don't see that as a problem. I agree. So let me though, let me just like bring this into the free will conversation because, because I, yeah, I don't think it's a problem at all. I think it, it, it can fit quite nicely. And I, I do think back to Tom's question to you, Brian, is that like, this, this can't be like the sole factor in choosing a spouse or, or a mate to use, I guess, biological terms. Like it, it, it just can't be because th- this is a small sample size, right? Like I didn't go around the, what, 3.5 billion women that are on the planet right now and be like, you know, or my wife didn't go around stiffing the 3.5 billion men on the planet and be like, which one smells the most appealing to me? You know, like, she was just kind of with this guy and maybe I smelled the best out of all the dudes she smelled, but, but that's kind of it. So there have to be a I mean, bunch unlikely, of other, but, but, uh, but, but there's gotta be a ton of other factors that play into it. I mean, this is like full aspect of understanding how DNA works, but it's, it's a, a relatively small um, sample size of, of how DNA controls us. Is it though? Like, and, and to me, I think it's, you know, when we're talking about these issues of mating, this is probably, I think, the most areas that you can see it the most obviously, okay? So, but, you know, does your wife, Melissa, does she have a small sample size? And I don't necessarily think so. Like, how many men has she smelled before she married you? Whoa. You know? Crossing like, a easy, line, Brian. Easy, buddy. crossing a line. Did you just ask how many how many men Melissa has smelled? <laughs> you know what, M- Melissa is just inside the doors to my home. Let's go ask her. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go ask her. She'd be. But I, I, Brian, I, I think you were right in one fact, and that Gabe has a small sample size. It just okay. Let 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 me steer <laughs> us in a slightly different direction because as much as I'd like to just drill down into the human genome, what what effect does this have on say spirituality because like on the one sense i I totally get wait 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 hold hold on hold on before you get to because i think brian was alluding to this before we get to the spirituality piece because we're jumping from from mating to to spirituality and i think there's there's a ton in between there i mean simple things of at work today i had to i had one of two decisions to make and i chose one uh, it's the Robert Frost, the, the path less, less traveled, you know, there's, there's a million decisions that we make every single day that maybe don't have to do with our mate for life kind of thing. Well, I think that's sort of the point is in making all of these seemingly innocuous decisions. If, if we are indeed controlled on a visceral level by our DNA, when it comes to something like scent, uh, or within our immune systems or whatever, then I, I think it touches on not just spirituality, but the things that you're talking about too, Tom. Do I want a ham sandwich or a turkey sandwich for lunch? You know, do I want to speed today? Do I want to show up to work at all? I mean, I think that when you get into um, things that aren't as concrete as scent or mating or something like that, ambiguous and i wonder if dna has the same kind of decision making impact as it does within that controlled test that those you know scientists were actually running 
Now, to the ham and turkey sandwich comment, I would say that it's been over and over proven that people... Okay, so from an evolutionary perspective, Richard Dawkins would say you would want the ham sandwich because that ham slathered in mayo and really salty and lots of fat has more calories. So when you taste that, your DNA, your body, your cells are freaking out and be like, oh my gosh, this is so delicious. It is giving you more energy. So when you're, when you're thinking about it from that way, um, this is why it's hard and why kale is not good, right? You uh, don't like your, But your body. I'm a vegetarian is, and a vegan and an incredibly healthy say, I mean, specimen of life. Doesn't fly in the face of that then, right? And people who love kale. I, I actually I mean, enjoy kale quite a bit. Okay. But I do, yeah, but, love, ham, but I do love ham though. But then why do we have why do we have tofu that's always trying to mimic bacon? Right? We yeah. those people that have had bacon are like bacon is the most delicious thing in the world and everyone should agree with me, right? Fact. Yeah. Because it is, that's just fact. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's we pure fat, it's pure salt, and it's pure goodness for your soul, right? And your body craves that because from an evolutionary perspective, when we were cavemen, if we could have a food that was as calorically that as full of calories as bacon is, we would have freaked out and eaten that in a heartbeat. So do we have free will when we're choosing that donut over that kale salad? But the fact of the matter yeah. is like, I, we, we still like people still do again and again. I mean, there's people that don't eat tofu bacon that don't eat. I mean, they again and again will just eat, you know, veggies, period, and not anything that looks like. I mean, but like I think we choose I, to not do that all the time. People choose to not do that all the time. But is that a sociological phenomena or right. is that a, a scientific phenomena or a biological phenomena? Because I feel like I, I would say it's a sociological thing because we are operating under systems of peer pressure, sociological systems that, you know, dictate or determine what we should or shouldn't do <laughs> that may or may not contradict Right. desire is because that's i mean even think of like religions that ban the eating of bacon right there's there's two big ones they're uh, wrong you know they're wrong <laughs> yes i i mean you know but but they did ban it and so there's people that have lived their entire lives not eating bacon they probably don't crave it they've never had it those poor ignorant people i well it's tough it's tough Cer uh, certainly right, not scientists yes no but but, but, so the, I, but think I think what goes, Brian is saying though is if if those people who have never had it had it for the first time, their bodies would instinctually say, "This is amazing," because of the fat, protein, saltiness, the things that the body needs or whatever. I mean, this so, is all good. Well, right? Like, I don't care about bacon, and I don't really care about immune systems. What I want to know is. Is it possible that our DNA controls or allows a room to freely choose the spiritual journey or faith or God that, that we desire? Well, I think this the, – the, I'm going to go back to Bacon for one minute here. The fact that there are people that can choose, that have had Bacon, that can choose to be vegans and only eat kale salads goes to say that – while DNA does influence us, 
our free will can override it. Ayo, take that, Richard Dawkins. You just got schooled by DBO. Dude, I'm going to change your name to Dr. Brian Dawkins, the real one. (laughs) (laughs) Janet, is that okay that I change the name of your firstborn son? Secondborn. 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 Oh, Tom, you are so old. It's just because he's more impressive that you think he's the first. You know born, what? That's, but that's fair not enough. True. That is, it's true in my mind. It's <laughs> sorry, Tom. It's, it's, Tom, it's I feel fine. like we're I slowly mean, watching your insides die. I know. This episode. I mean, and it, the timing couldn't be more perfect because today the Prime Minister of Britain signed the order to begin Brexit. That's true. And I feel like this is sort of like a pine glass preacher Brexit. <laughs> Text it. It is a, it is a Tom exit. See you guys. Bye, buddy. Bye. Okay, back to free will, though. Um, okay, so we, so we, Brian, you would say, as a scientist, that we don't simply dance to our DNA. DNA certainly influences us a great deal, perhaps more than most of us are aware of, but we don't simply dance to it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, <coughs> I think that's obvious, right, to anybody that the. When you do choose that kale salad, you are going against that that DNA. I think that's obvious. Well, I think if you go back to the mating discussion, I think it's fairly obvious in people who people who get divorced and find out that the person that they married isn't their soulmate. I mean, they didn't smell correctly. They had a cold when they first met that person. I mean, you know, I mean, if if you if you correctly smelled the person and picked just on smell every single time, then everyone's marriage and relationships would be perfect, right? Yeah. Yep. Just like my marriage. There it is. Right. You know what? She smelled you from a mile away. So we override it. We, we pick the person that we, that, that maybe we came in third on the smell test and they're not, they're not perfect. We picked the kale salad because. Yeah. But I mean, to, to go back to something you said earlier, Brian, that, there or was it you gabe that there's three and a half billion other male or females on the planet yeah and so you're I, f- I feel like your senses are constantly flooded by a variety of scents and smells and so like I, I i almost feel like we are potentially slipping into the question of like soulmate where there's just that one smell or one person that your DNA would choose or your heart would choose or whatever. But in reality, there are millions, if not billions of scents that could potentially capture your nostrils and make your heart break in love. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's always been, so, so maybe this is just something I need to understand. Like, like that's always been my deal, I guess, kind of outside of us, having a soul okay right so so if i'm a atheist materialist right so so all there is is all that we see and can observe and and that's just it and there's there's no soul there's no spirit there's no god on the natural world if that's who i am uh and that's what i believe then how does like love be anything more than a chemical reaction happening in my brain or is it just right or is it- I mean, they people coming from that perspective, I think it's just they're dancing to their DNA, and that's what they believe. That's where you have to go, right? I mean, there's no other option. Yeah. Right. I'm not okay. And right. They start bands called My Chemical Romance. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. 
okay. I really wish really like someone to text, No, no. Like to no text one is a fan of my chemical romance. Well, if I you'd am. like to text us at 612-208-6258 and let us know who wants to hear Gabe sing, just a simple yes or no would, would do. We'd love to hear your opinions on this. Hey, we just got 30 texts and they all say <laughs> no. <laughs> Brian, as much as I trust your scientifically methodly minded mind, I want to get into conjecture. Do it. Well, hey, That's where I before live. you do that, you should put a Facebook poll on your podcast teachers to ask, ladies, do you love the smell of your husband's? Oh, that's a great, great idea. Jenny actually does love my smell. Melissa does not. Oh, really? Because <laughs> that's funny. Uh, now, now that you say that, Brian, there have been multiple times in my almost 10 years of marriage where my wife has said, like, you smell really good. And it tends to be the days where I haven't showered, haven't put on deodorant. I just smell like a natural raw man. Oh, that's probably the problem. I just don't smell like a natural raw man. It's like, oh, you were typing a lot today, honey. You know, so you were reading a book. <laughs> you smell like yeah. graphite and you papyrus. Smell, yeah, exactly. You smell like iPhone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You smell like an air conditioner. Mm, mm. and a stale coffee shop that's right that's right no but i mean like seriously if this is if we're sort of settling on the point that like yes dna controls us to a certain biological degree yet at the same time we have the ability as sentient beings to overcome that dna driven you know desire or control or whatever you want to call it to make decisions that either contradict or counteract or just sort of like undermine what our biology wants us to do. And so do we have true free will when it comes to the spiritual faith belief side genome? Yeah. I would even back it up to what is the DNA process that is happening that that drives us towards towards belief in general i right. mean even, even people who are atheists have a belief in something else a belief in democratic values republican value, whatever you know i mean well, can i make a ridiculous statement here it comes who's conjecture ready alert yeah oh, alert. oh this isn't even conjecture brian you might want to close your you want to earmuff this brian as right. a scientist earmuff it Okay, dare I say or conject, made that word up, that as a Christian, because the God that I believe in took on human form there it is. and embodied the incarnation. The incarnation, thank you, Gabe. Dare I say that faith can be potentially tied to the scent of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, like, classic Josh. I mean, I'm taking it to an extreme, but Bro. is there some? No, no, no. I'm not saying that like we all smell Jesus, and and anyone who's a Christian believes in Jesus because we smell somehow smell. You it. just came up with like, a brand new Joel Olstein type of ministry here. No, come and no. smell Jesus. Jesus smelled good, and I like good smells, so I'm going to do what feels good to me and smell good. What I'm saying is, is there some validity to the uniqueness of the incarnation in the Christian faith 
that lends itself to the very test that you brought up at the beginning of this episode. Well, so let me, because when you said that, I'm not talking. You're not a scientist. Wait, you're asking. What? Can I'm I just, ask? Okay, go ahead. I, uh, how am I, as a scientist, supposed to answer that? I was just saying, how's he supposed to Brian, answer that? I, I, I'm asking you to it's throw your career question. under the bus. <laughs> I'm asking you to absolutely throw your career away for to answer my question. You know, Brian, the only way I can. Question. This is a dumb question, but the it's only way question. that I can like nerd out with it is one time I mathematically figured out. All right, if Jesus lived 33 years, and how much air did he breathe in and breathe out? What are the what's the probability given the number of atoms in the earth that I have breathed in Jesus? You didn't Dude, do that. Did, did you, you actually do that? I did that. <gasps> and I, I don't remember the answer. Oh, Tom, Tom, I'm so sorry, but just by the fact that your brother calculated that, you are officially kicked out of this podcast. <laughs> My brother spent an amazing amount of time figuring that out, wasting his time. <laughs> no, that's in the, amazing. Me, in the meantime, that's I'm probably doing something good for this earth. I am feeding people. I am teaching people about God in previous words. And this dude's figuring out how many atoms Jesus breathed in. My dude, gosh. All I'm saying is this. That's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> dude. Like, wait. So let me say this, though. Is it actually possible? Like, I... This is just going to show my scientific ignorance um, that I've actually breathed the same air Jesus breathed. It's possible that you have breathed the same carbon dioxide molecule or oxygen molecule that was part of Jesus' body. Absolutely. Oh, see. Oh, okay. Now, all of a sudden, my dumb question doesn't seem so dumb. This is the dumbest episode we've ever done. Oh, oh, just because your feelings are hurt. Tom. Oh, Tom, you're oh. you're dismissing out on this right now because you're being a little naysayer, dude. This We've, is the... we have literally spent the entire episode simply on olfactory, like just I don't know. Speechless. Okay, we we we've got we've got weed, we've got cookies, and smelling cheeses. That's where we're at right now. This is amazing. That sounds like an incredible episode. Well, so <laughs> I agree. It, it does lead to this, though, I, and if, if I may speak to Josh's absurd question, because uh, it does remain absurd, but it that, did lead fine. to something I'll, beautiful. I will admit to that. There, there is the classic like, well, hey, Gabe, you're just a Christian because, you know, I, mean, I grew up in the home of a pastor, right? So, like, you know, the, the only reason you believe any of that nonsense is is because, like, socially it's just so formed to who you are. It's, it's just, like, constructed around you, da 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 is there a um, now that's sociological, which is not a hard science. I don't, um, but but is there a biology to that? Is there a biology to um, belief that like my parents were believers, their parents before them were believers? I don't know about the ones before them, but is there is there a biology to belief, Doctor Brian? Again, so I'm 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 going to step away from that and say that that's that's one of those questions you can't ask. You can't a scientist as a scientist you can't ask. Or, but is the theologian we like to ask every day? That's right. True. Yeah. I mean, for me as the Christian, I probably there is something, but I mean, I don't I don't 
I, you know, I don't, I don't think we can answer that. I don't know. Okay. All right. So we've kind of looked at, are we controlled by our DNA? Uh, but Tom, I think, you know, when we were talking before, we are going to end up theological in the next moment here. Uh, so we're not completely controlled by our DNA is what we're landing on here. Uh, though it certainly influences us, but are we completely controlled by God? So last episode, we talked about this idea of like, you know, the, the, the synapses in your brain that fire, right? So if God is completely sovereign, is he the one that is actually firing those synapses for you and, and just kind of a la puppet master? Well, so I, I would, I would say no, based on the conversation we had last week and the conversation we had, we, we've been having this week as ridiculous as, as it has been, because if you want to talk about, <coughs> if we're going to say that, that God is firing every single synapse and I, I brought it up last, last time of, well, then that lustful thought that I had, or that right. small white lie that I just told, then God made me do that. And so if God made me do that, then then that's really not a God I'm interested in, right? In his own character, right. Right. So then you bring it to, to this week, and, you're, and if we have DNA that influences us, but we can override, I, going back to our conversation of we have this world that, that God created, we kind of landed last week on, he created it to just work, and that he comes in and out and he influences and, and he, he directly involves himself in some ways and not others. And, and, and that's the same thing here. We have, we have a free will that God can impose on and that he can influence, but there has to be free will or else we never would have had the fall from sin, right? I mean, if God is controlling everything, he never would have let us fall. Yes. I'm looking at you on this one. I mean, here here's a, a fairly orthodox response to that. That's what we want. It's dangerous to look at me for that. I know, but but here's here's a fairly orthodox response to that exact proposition, Tom. That yes, sovereignty could have kept the fall from happening in, in some way, shape or form, he could have kept it. But as hindsight is 2020, looking back on the events of history, Orthodox Christendom would assert that God allowed the fall to happen in order to most fully demonstrate his love for creation. Yeah. By, by saying, I'm not so controlling that I'm going to create this man and woman, their every thought, every action, every deed, because then, yes, we're just robots. You know, we're, we're just puppets on a string. I'm going to give them the opportunity to live in an actual relationship with me, which means, just like Brian's story, choosing what scent to smell, how to talk, you know, wh what conversations to have, et cetera, et cetera, and, and all in a perfected sort of manner. But with that came the opening for the fallen angel Lucifer, Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him. Hasatan. Hasatan. In order to engage in that and then offer up the temptation which ultimately led to the fall but that god then 
sort of exploited that terrible decision that we made as humans to say, I will embody humanity in the person of Jesus Christ, the incarnation, and overcome the failures control to demonstrate how much I love you. And I, I think this gets into what we call the, um, the hidden will of God and the revealed will of God. It's a little tricky, but we have to, you got, we got to speak to what we can speak to and not speak to what we can't speak to. And, and so, uh, I may have said this on the podcast before, but, uh, someone one time asked Augustine, uh, he said, someone asked Augustine said, what was God doing before creation? And Augustine responded by saying, creating hell for people who ask stupid questions, um, which is brilliant. <laughs> and, uh, at any rate, the point there being like, and, and, and this isn't to, to dodge it, but it's to say like, we know what his revealed will is, is that would be saved and come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Beyond that, it gets a little tricky to say, why did he allow us to fall into sin? But to fall into sin. And what that raises is an, yet another theological distinction between the hidden and revealed will of God. Um, talking about the idea of predestination, meaning that God predestined some to make certain decisions in, in the realm of faith, that is to either believe or not believe, versus God within his sovereignty. To know what is happening, what will happen, and yet abstain from ultimately controlling the outcome of that particular instance. Yeah, yeah, because it ultimately gets down to when you talked about the the revealed will of God that that we all believe and whatnot. He doesn't want he doesn't want us to all believe and love him because he made us do it. And yet, on the end of that formula. He, he actually did create all of us to love him and all of us. He, he desires to be saved and to have a relation, a saving relation, a redemptive relationship with him. And yet in his foreknowledge, he knows who's going to do that yet. He doesn't control it. Well, then going back to going back to the fall, if God created all of us initially to love him, with that capacity to love him and, and believe in him. And then we have the fall. Was that our free will or was it this outside source of Satan who forced us into that? And then I think there's greater complications. I mean, that snake smelled good. What can I say? <laughs> Adam and Eve just their loved DNA. the saint, the scent of Satan, the sainting scent of Satan. That's a tongue twister. I tell you what. But no, so was the fall an act of free will or was it an absolute coercion from Satan? Yeah, I would say it's an act of free will. One of the well, things that why? gets... Uh, so I gotta, I'm got i going to... If not, I guess I'll just lose my job. Um, so basically, like, like, let me go back to what Josh was saying because I think it'll end up tying into this, is, is you know like probably his most famous treatise, probably his most famous writing uh, is called the bondage of the will. And this is this idea that, that all of us as human beings are inherently turned away from God. Uh, homo incurvatus in say, we're inherently turned in on ourselves, play the track. And um, 
at any rate, like that's just what we do as sinful humanity. We're, we're enemies of God turned away from him. Um, and, and so that's our default position. Where am I going with that? Okay. So, so how do we get out of that default position? Uh, well, kind of schools of thought that generally come up is one, you have the Arminians that say, ah, we choose to come out of that default position that we hear the gospel and our will, our volition chooses God. And we say, oh man, I'm a sinner and I'm going to choose to turn to God. His grace smells better. His grace smells better. I'm choosing to follow that, that scent. Um, then, and actually the scent is a good way to do this. Then you have the Calvinists on the other side that would say, we are a hundred percent dancing to the scent of God. In other words, um, if I smell that scent, it's that irresistible grace is what they say. If, if I actually experience the grace, I literally cannot resist it. Like it, there's no part of me that can resist it. I'm just instantly drawn to it. And then there are some that are instantly repulsed by it. And so that's, he's chosen some and not chosen others. And then you've got Lutherans and we just sit smack in the middle and tick everyone off, uh, which is the story of our life. Uh, and so nice. Is this the second episode in a row that I've sung one direction? Second try. Like, it's like the 10th episode in a yeah. row. <laughs> Although Niall is my favorite. Thank you. I thought we were going to five cause it sounded good on the mic. And then we pounded it. Yeah. Anyways. Um, and, and our point is we would say God, like, like scripture is really clear when it comes to our salvation, our will is bound away from God that we're dead in our sin, but he makes us alive in Christ. Dead people don't choose things. Dead people don't have wills towards God. And so when it comes to salvation, we don't have a will towards God, but he chooses us and we respond. So I think everything else in life, our will is involved. So I, I, I agree. And I might've missed it at the beginning because I don't really listen to you, but- smart. Smart. <laughs> but it's something you said there about how our, our default nature is, is turned away from God. But going back to before the fall, when our default nature was not to be turned yeah. away from God. Yeah. And I'll go back to that original question of, of whether that, that, that fall was. And I think we definitely had free will. We definitely had the option to choose then. So, okay. so if we go, if we go back to that, that narrative, uh, however you want to read it. Um, I think what scripture is saying in, in Genesis three relationship with God, we were made to walk with him. And he said, and, and this is, I mean, this is the whole thing with the tree, right? Is translation of it is it's the tree by which good and evil are known. The tree by which good and evil are known. Meaning if, if you choose not to eat from the tree, you're saying, I'm going to live into God's will. I'm going to conform my will to his will. If you choose to eat from the tree, then you're saying, you know what? It's my will over his will, and I'm going to not do it. And so it, it was. It was totally a free choice in that moment, and we chose to turn. So, I, and, and I agree to, agree to that. I not to put too fine of a pun on this, but I like to play devil's advocate, but go back, go back to what you said then about our free will as it, as it relates to, to our relationship with God and then our free will with, with everybody else. I, I, 
So then sum that up again. So then, yeah. So then my point would be, is that from that moment, like, you know, it's kind of what the, you know, so Genesis, of course, the word means beginning, right? And, and so what Genesis does is it tells us a lot of the, um, the why of the world, why we act the way we do and why we're, we do the things that we do, uh, not necessarily the, the, the what or the how. And, and so, um, at any rate, my point being the why is that from that point on, as we said, you know what, we're choosing our will over God's will. That became the default setting of humanity. That the default setting of humanity per, per, per perpetuity is to turn from God towards our will and not his. Uh, so we are bound to that. We don't have free will to choose God. It is only by him choosing us that, that we can um, that we can know him. Now, when it comes to the rest of life, I think we have freedom. Like he's written the law in our hearts, but I can choose whether or not I kill Josh right now. Whoa, whoa, I'm not going whoa. To. I'm not going to. I'm choosing not to. Thought we were friends. I'm choosing not to. Thank you. That. Um, but, smell good. But but I have free will in that sense. It's I you know I I think God gives me moral free will in that sense. But in terms of my will towards salvation, I don't have free will. And I mean that could be it. I mean. So then the question becomes. Other episodes. Well, yeah, yeah. I think we I think we can get that to the other episodes. Let Let's leave it there. Uh, let's go into our break, and this is what I'm going to tease. Uh, when we come back from break, I have the top 10 uh, hymns of all time in relation to how God smells. Ooh, Ooh, what? I'm excited. Wow, that is a tease. You're... It's literally what I've been doing for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, so not listening to us or Brian. No, I was kind of serious about that. Um, all right, we'll see you at the other end of the break. Bye. Whatever, Tom. <laughs> Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back. On the other side of the break, we have got some parting shots that we're going to take here. And then Tom, as promised, is going to share with you all that top 10 hymn list, which personally, I uh, can't wait. It's going to be great. But uh, we're going to bookend it with O'Neill's. We're going to we're going to have an O'Neill sandwich. Uh, so we're, we're going to start with the man, the myth, the legend, DBO, Dr. Brian O'Neill. What's your parting shots on this episode? Well, I'm going to bring it back to that question you asked me that I uh, kind of failed and uh, dropped the ball on. You were basically asking me, does, is there a biological aspect to belief? And my question then is, is that okay? Like, I think my mother would hate me to say this, but like, is there Cover part of our- Janet. No, Janet, no! <laughs> Janet! <laughs> Is there a part of our DNA, is there a section of our DNA that pushes us toward striving for truth, striving for belief? And since God's the creator of all things, my answer is I'm okay with if there is a section of DNA that makes us believe or makes us strive for truth, strive for that belief. 
if if that's if that's in there it's 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 god created and i'm okay with that um you know there might be some other issues in there but you know where our striving for relief comes it it doesn't really matter to me well then here's my parting shot is as someone who believes that god created the human genome and individual (laughs) what's he with me i just rubbed josh's foot it was super by accident go on josh oh boy my scent is just strong tonight (laughs) however distractions aside uh, as one who believes that God created our genetic code, um, I'm I'm going to take it to another level and say that that's why that pull or the even capacity to believe, whether or not we choose to accept that, is another story. Uh, and there are a lot of other determining factors. However, I will I will say that since God created our DNA when He into the dust of the earth that um that's why we even have the capacity and the ability to then come to faith thank you josh that was succinct wasn't it it was it was well put thank you apt oh apt summary josh apt and apropos Mm, indeed quite Mm, uh (laughs) okay listeners i know this is an audio podcast but we do record this video and you should see Tom's face right now. The eyes rolled so hard. It was amazing. Um, and I don't have a parting shot because I was just wasting time. I don't have anything else to say. I'm tired. So, Tom, your parting shot. Speaking of apropos. All right. So, I, while I was not listening to Gabe and Josh and Brian talk, because that's my usual, uh, I decided to come up with the top 10 of the classic hymns. I, but based around, I, I changed the wording based on Josh's ridiculous question and Brian apparently spending an amount of time figuring out if we smell Jesus. Uh, so at number 10, we have just a closer smell with thee. Mm-hmm. Number nine, amazing smells. Good. Eight, our God who smells in ages past. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I like that one. That one was really good, actually. Oh, God, who smells in ages past? Seven, when I surveyed the smelly cross. Ooh, a little blasphemous. uh, blasphemous. They're all blasphemous. Yeah, but that one is, Tom, inappropriate. Oh, well, then it's going to get worse. Uh, Six, almighty smelliness is our God. Oh, gosh. Oh, boy, we are just digressing. This is maybe my favorite, but how great thou smell. Actually, I'm uh, down with that one. I'm cool with that. I think God yeah, smells pretty good. good. That was really good. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm behind that one. I'm attracted yeah. to the scent of God. I don't know about Tom. In the 500, 500th anniversary of the Reformation, we have a mighty smelliness is our God. Did you already do that one? Yeah. I, I feel like okay. these are just repeating oh, themselves. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here we go. Number four. Two, there are two different melodies to that, though. So you're fine. Oh, we'll just okay. okay. Four, great is thy smelliness. Three. That's what good. a smell we have in Jesus. Oh, that oh, one's actually, that's really actually the best. Good. What's yeah. number one? Because I don't think you can top that. Oh, we're getting to number two, the old smelly cross. I already did that one. Wait, right, Tom. No, I didn't. Fine, go on. Go no, on, he on. said when I, I surveyed the, survey the smelly cross. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then number one, all hail the power of Jesus smell. Yep. Oh, okay. yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. That was good. I see. 
salute you for that and salute the cross of Christ. You know what, and Tom? With we, that, okay. I just want to say, Tom, you've earned your way back on this team, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you've done it. You've done it. I, I don't even want to yell it. Just, I'm just going la- to last call. We need to, we need to call this last call. Someone shut the bar down. Shut the bar down. Last call. A few shout outs. First of all, if you live in, wait for it, the Ann Arbor area. Have I, I know. What the what? Have I got a church for you? University Lutheran Chapel on the campus of the University of Michigan. Go blue. Uh, feel free to visit us anytime you like. And actually, firsthand witness the existential crises of Gabe Casper <laughs> every on a single weekly basis. Weekly, it's, daily, Tom. Daily. <laughs> well, daily. And they can see it happen up front. And personal. And personal and on smell, a weekly basis. They can smell the fear of your own They can smell identity. my nihilism just yes. bursting through. Oh, okay. Um, but if if you're up for something more hopeful, like reconciliation racially, I encourage you <laughs> and your cousins to, to find themselves in southeastern – Tennessee uh, in Chattanooga is a city here. It's like genetic reconciliation. <laughs> if you if you start to smell your cousins, yeah, and that smells good, reconciliation, genetic reconciliation, <laughs> and you can find that at Bridge City Community, uh, right here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, on the on the foothills of the the Appalachians. It's uh, it's, it's, a, it's a church for people of all smells. And if you're hungry, and you're smelling food. We encourage you to check out Second Harvest, where Tom will feed you so much food. And if you ninety million pounds of it, and if you can smell fish, yeah, rotting or living, yep, then I guess sweet sweet smell of biological knowledge. Mm. Oh, Mm. so Mm. true. Cheers to that. Smells so good. Here, here. Smells like nerd. Ew. It's true. Um, Then you can go to UW Whitewater. And hang out with Dr. Brian O'Neill. That was me, Brian. These shout-outs have been terrible. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. Check us out on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. 612-208-6258. Peace. Please text Peace. us.